This is The Legal Impact, the weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs. Learn more and apply at law.umnh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead, and today I'm joined by Professor Ryan Vaca. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to discuss your recently published article titled Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Fragmenting National Law that you co-authored with Peter Manel at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. Um, let's start off with having you describe what you believe the issue is with U.S. national law fragmentation. Sure. So um, really what's been going on uh, for you know, long time is we have different regional circuits and they are all interpreting federal law and they sometimes come to different results mm-hmm. right uh, one circuit will interpret the law to mean x and the other circuit will uh, determine it to mean y and um we have but we have this federal law that's supposed to apply to everyone equally um and when we have these types of circuit splits then you know we're treating people differently mm-hmm. um and that's uh that's uh, sort of undermines kind of rule of law uh, principles, and so this has been this is one of the the problems that exist uh, with sort of fragmentation. There's lots of lots of uh, effects of that, but uh, that's sort of the core of the problem. Yeah, how did we how did it get to this point where it, it, it especially when you follow the news, like you hear about this company went all the way to the other side of the country to to file a lawsuit because they wanted this court to to handle the case because they may lean a certain way. I mean, has this always been a problem? Is this something that's just escalated over decades? Yeah, it's definitely escalated over decades. Um, it's always been a problem, um, but it has escalated over decades, uh, largely because. We have more law now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and more lawsuits. The the docket's been growing uh, over time, and judges have sort of less time to, to put in to uh, sort of. Sometimes they just they miss these these issues um, that another circuit decided another way, or um, it could be that that they just they have a different uh, view of you know what the law means, right? They just have a different approach, a different interpretation of it. And um, and that's fine uh, to, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but when it starts to, to last too long, that's when the problems start to occur. Random tangent that popped in my head. Like, how much does this have to do with the fact it's easy to just travel across the country as opposed to 150 years ago? Yeah, I, I suppose... Um, I mean, th- that really gets to the issue of uh, what we call forum shopping, right? Mm-hmm. Where people are, as you mentioned before, they're going going to specific jurisdictions um, to get a more favor what they think will be a more favorable ruling, um, and that's that's been a long uh, a problem. Um, but it's, it ha- you're right; it's been exacerbated um, recently with you know travel being being uh, easier, and so th- you know that. That is a problem um, and one that you know we, we hope to resolve with our proposal, but or at least partially resolve. <laughs> but the um, you know the circuit split problem I think would exist regardless of the forum shopping. Um, I think forum shopping is sort of a it's a it's a an effect of this this problem the fragmentation problem, but. Um, just having courts, different courts, having different interpretations. Um, they're not necessarily doing it because someone rushed to their their courthouse as opposed to another. Can you give an example or two of specific cases where you really view this fragmentation as problematic? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are there are several issues that arise with respect to fragmentation. So one is, you know, you have 
the the different treatment, as I said before, the different treatment of similarly situated individuals, but they're the, the different treatment is based purely on the accident of geography, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you happen to live or reside or whatever it may be? And so we can have a situation where, you know, um, think about like the Fourth Amendment, you know, unreasonable searches and seizures, right? So if um, the court in the Ninth Circuit has uh, an interpretation, you know, some specific interpretation of what is reasonable or unreasonable, and then um, uh, the the court in the First Circuit has a different interpretation, then, you know, the same person um, or two different people doing the same act uh, in one in the Ninth Circuit, one in the First Circuit, one may be, um, one there may be a reasonable, unreasonable search and seizure in one and in the same action uh, in another would be uh, would be the opposite, right? And so, you know, one person may be going to jail in, in, in one uh, circuit and the other person gets to walk out free in the other. And that doesn't seem right, especially if they've done the same conduct. Um, same thing for like tax treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you're living in the first circuit and there's uh, somebody, you know, similar, uh, similar job and they're in the fifth circuit down in, let's say Texas, um, you know, depending on how this, the different circuits interpret the tax code, right? You may pay higher taxes than someone in, in the fifth circuit. And, that doesn't seem right because it's federal law. It's supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be treating everyone the, the same under the same law. Is this belief held by most that there's a problem with this national fragmentation or is there a philosophical split with how judges interpret the law or law professors <laughs> interpret the law that many may view this as like this is the way it should be? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think a lot of people do view this as a, as a serious problem um, and it's, you know, so if we think about, you know, parties who are trying to transact business, right, mm-hmm. and then they've got, you know, they're, they're a, a national corporation, or even if they're operating within a single circuit, um, but there's a, an intra-circuit split, there's a, you know, disagreement within the circuit mm-hmm. of the law, then they are, they're trying to sort of figure out their affairs, right? How do we, how do we um, uh, conduct our business? And when we've got sort of Two different authorities pointing two different directions, right? And this this complicates their lives. Um, for for attorneys, sort of the same thing, trying to advise their, those, these clients who are trying to uh, to figure out how to operate. Um, for district court judges, right? They if they have two different uh, two different opinions that go different ways, and they're trying to figure out like how should this apply. Um, how should I interpret this according to you know the judges on the court uh, above me? What do I do, right? And then you're, they're trying to figure out ways to kind of reconcile these two views, which you know, may be trying to you know, uh, uh, you know draw lines that really aren't that important. Uh, and then you even have on the like, circuit court judges trying to figure out, um, you know, here's here's some precedent that you know this earlier panel had, and here's a different precedent from a different panel, or um, here's one circuit, here's another circuit, and we're we haven't decided yet. How do we figure out what's the the best approach? And so it does cause a lot of confusion and sort of additional work for everybody involved. Um, there, there was a time, you know, not not that long ago, when some people thought, well, so these circuit splits, they're you know, they're not a problem. Um, they're they're a problem temporarily, but eventually they'll they'll get resolved. Um, recent scholarship has shown, though, that they don't get resolved. Um, they actually persist. Um, you know, 
for a long, long time, um, and they're they're not resolved by the Supreme Court. They're not resolved by Congress, by administrative agencies. You know, anybody who can, who can resolve these splits, um, they're not really doing so. And so these this fragmentation persists, and it just continues to cause this confusion uh, for everybody else. Okay, now this is a 50-page article, so your solution that you and Professor Manel uh, outline in it, for just for people that aren't lawyers, mm-hmm. how do we fix this problem where maybe we can stop this fragmentation, have the court system be a little smoother and more even across the country? Yeah, so the our, our solution that we propose in this paper is actually, it's quite limited, and it doesn't fully solve the problem, right? There are other, there are other steps that can be taken that would be uh, that would probably be more impactful that would actually resolve these, these problems um, uh, better. So, for example, we could have the Supreme Court taking on more cases. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they only decide about you know sixty odd cases per year, um, down from you know one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty, just you know uh, several decades oh, ago. Oh wow, I didn't realize this. Yeah, how much it, of a drop. Yeah, it's been a, a tremendous decline. Um, so, another uh, suggestion that was put forth in the the. Uh, 1970s and again in the 1980s was having sort of some type of intermediate tribunal between the uh, circuit courts of appeals and the Supreme Court that they would be referred these these cases where there would be circuit splits they would decide them and it would be binding law on uh, everybody the Supreme Court could always take the case and, and reverse um, if they wanted to but um, it, that would that would resolve it um, so th- those are a couple ideas that have been previously floated. Um, None of those really have have worked uh, a lot of times because either requires the Supreme Court to take on more cases mm-hmm. itself, which it hasn't been inclined to do. It's going the other way, in fact, um, and or it requires you know congressional action, and Congress hasn't been able to to get this done um, you know for the last fifty years. And mm-hmm. our previous paper that we wrote um, sort of demonstrated why that's the case. So our proposal in this paper is. Um, it's a proposal that we can that it'll, it'll resolve or at least help resolve circuit splits, um, but it doesn't require any congressional action. It doesn't require anybody to do anything because the Supreme Court actually has a tool in its uh, in its toolbox that uh, it can use, and what what we call it is uh, GVR on Bonk. and uh, GVR stands for uh, Grant, Vacate, and Remand. And what it is is the so GVR has been around for, mm-hmm. for a long time, and uh, it's it's you know used pretty frequently. GVR is when the court, the Supreme Court, says we will take this case. Um, we're going to grant certiorari, but we're going to vacate the lower court's judgment, mm-hmm. and then we're going to remand it back to the lower court for. Uh, reconsideration in light, usually in light of something that's happened. And a lot, most of the time, it's there's been a recent Supreme Court decision that's related to this one, and so they say try again in light of what we just decided. So our solution is GVR on Bonk. Well, na- now what the what the Supreme Court says is we're gonna uh, we there's been a, a petition for certiorari to the Supreme Court. We look at it. We don't want to grant cert. We don't want to decide this case um, on the merits. But we're going to send it back to the Court of Appeals and say, "Court, uh, go on bonk and you know, get all of the all of the yeah. judges." So it's all, all the judges on that. Side. All the judges, yeah, as opposed to the three judge panel. All of you get together and you decide this case, right? Sort of more, uh, sort of more heads are better than one. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll come perhaps to a uh, to a better result. Maybe you'll come to the same result. Um, but if uh, if you have an intra circuit split, then 
once the court goes on bonk, like that's how intra-circuit splits are resolved is the court goes on bonk. And so the Supreme Court says, go on bonk, resolve it. Or if it's an inter-circuit split and that circuit happens to be the outlier, then they go on bonk, maybe they change their mind and say, oh, looks like, you know, other circuits are doing it this way as opposed to the way we did it before on the panel. Um, we're going to fall in line, right? Then we've resolved the circuit split that way. And if they don't, it would probably go to the SCOTUS at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if when we have if we have if they go on bonk and they say no, we're sort of doubling down on what we did before, um, then it helps with sort of the percolation issue, right? We're percolating the law. We're getting it so that um, when it does get teed up for the Supreme Court, they can say, well, look, we've we sent it back. They, they they stuck with what they were doing or we still have the circuit split it doesn't look like it's going to resolve um, so now we really should we really should take this because that's you know one of our primary functions is to uh, make national law uniform would this resolve I don't know if this how long this really has been a huge problem it seems like especially over the last decade that there's a considerable amount of Supreme Court decisions that are kind of sort of not really making a decision on anything, just sending it back with like little bits and pieces of, you didn't do this a little bit, right? Go back and just approach this. Would this fix this kind of, I, I don't know whether to call it flakiness. It seems like flakiness as a non-lawyer. Um, would it kind of resolve that? Because you're saying like, okay, this court's sitting on bonk. Like the all the judges here are actually going to come together and make a decision on it. Is it going to solidify and kind of stop this flakiness? If the circuit court's if they resolve this, when they go on bonk, if they mm-hmm. resolve the circuit split, then, I mean, there's no reason for it to go to the Supreme Court right. in, that case, in, in that situation, in which case, um, you know, we wouldn't have the scenario you described mm-hmm. where you get like sort of hints of what happened, what should happen or hints of what uh, what the law should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be, I mean, so I, I think it would sort of, you know, to the extent that it works, it would help resolve that problem a little bit. I'm not I'm sure, sure how that. much of a problem that, mm-hmm. that really is, though. Um, so this one, because the way we're talking about national law, obviously, like these judges are from these parts where their district are, where their, their circuit is most likely. Right. Um, will this cause any problems or open any doors around federalism and the way that we currently operate in, in this country, which is very unique when you look at the global stage? Like we, we have our... Our federal government, but the states have a fair amount of flexibility with what they want to do internally. Uh, will there be any effects with your solution on this? When we were circulating a draft uh, of the paper, um, some commentators had mentioned uh, sort of federalism as, you know, how does this square with, with federalism? And we're not really concerned with that. We don't think it actually applies at all. It's, it's not a concern at all because, you know, what federal federalism is concerned with is about having these, you know, we have different states, right? Different states um, as their own sovereigns and um, we could have this, this variety of approaches, right? So if New Hampshire wants to say, you know, we think this is what the, you know, the best policy should be, and Mississippi says, you know, this, we think this is what the best policy, policy should be, then this is sort of the, the laboratory of democracy, as they call it, right? So we can see, like, you know, maybe things go really well in New Hampshire and things go miserably in, in Mississippi, and they say, all right, we did the experiment. It turns out that this is the better view. Um, and there's, there's certainly value in that, right? That's, that's one of the, the benefits of federalism. But because we're focused on federal law, um, and that's what the, the circuit courts are, are deciding and, and creating these circuit splits on is federal law. Um, the this sort of experimentation that takes place 
um, with federalism doesn't really apply because we have the federal law that applies the same to everybody. And, um, you know, in some of the, the principles animating uh, federalism really don't apply as well. So, you know, one of the things that that federalism or one of the principles animating federalism is if, you know, people in the state don't like the particular law, they can either vote, um, you know, their representatives out or leave, right? They go to another state. Um, you know, practically, that, that's, that's <laughs> harder. Um, but that's sort of the theory behind yeah. it. But it doesn't really work um, at, you know, with... Uh, in, in the federal system, because one, we've got these judges that are interpreting the law. We can't kick them out because they have life tenure. Um, and also, the it, it's sort of harder because we've got these larger geographic areas. And so we have, um, you know, you're in you're in the Ninth Circuit, right? That's a massive section of the you know of the Western United States. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, is it really that easy to say, you know, like, I, I really don't like this particular interpretation of tax code. Away. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm moving, you know, I'm moving to Virginia. Um, and so that's, it's not uh, not really feasible um, in that regard either. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of the, the concerns about federalism and the benefits of federalism just don't apply when we're talking about federal law. A couple minutes left here. I mean, what's the likelihood the judges on the circuit would like this solution? Um, so we think they will not like this. Um, <laughs> um, so our, our proposal of, of doing GVR on Bonk. So the, in, in the paper, we discussed that circuit court judges really dislike going on Bonk, right? It's, they, they say it creates more work for them because you have to get all the judges together. You have to circulate the opinion, get you know, buy-in from uh, various judges, you know, more judges than just the three on the panel. Um, judges you may not agree with ordinarily having to come together and deal with that judge. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's it will definitely create more work for mm-hmm. the circuit court judges. So um, we expect that they will not um, sort of happily embrace this. Some will, of course. But, uh, you know, and we found instances of, you know, some judges really like going on bank. They think it's great and it, it's really helpful. Um, some of the concerns that that circuit court judges have about going on bank is sort of collegiality issues where... Um, you know, you're effectively, if you, when you go on bank, you're effectively overruling your colleague, right, um, in, in some instances. And so you're sort of stepping on their toes and nobody likes to be reversed, right? Mm-hmm. And and so the, we see over time that the, the interest in, in going on bank has really declined uh, over time. So what, what our proposal would do is help overcome that, Resistance mm-hmm. to on bank review. The Supreme Court is telling the circuit courts, like "You have to do this." Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you have to do this. Um, you may come to the same result. Like that's fine. We we don't we don't care like, if you come to the same result. But you have to at least take a closer look at it and tr- and try. Um, and they you know they may sort of begrudgingly do it. Um, you know we hope that our, our hope would be that they actually embrace it and they say, "Hey, this is a this is a time. You know, we're not we're not stepping on your toes." Mm-hmm. Um, because we want to, we're doing it because the Supreme Court told us to, right? Um, and and but that's okay because what it what it does at the end of the day is instead of sort of the circuit judges looking kind of internally at the cost to them or their institution, what they're doing is really we're, we're, we're sort of forcing them to recalibrate um, and to say and to sort of put more balance into the system to say, yeah, you know, it is going to be. A pain for you. It's going to be a pain for your court for you know this particular instance, but 
On the other side, look at the tremendous benefit it's going to provide to the public, to lawyers, to district court judges, to your colleagues even on the circuit court who don't have to like come up with these strange um, ways of distinguishing one case from another that don't really make a difference. Uh, and so there, the, our belief is really that having this, uh, this uniformity in federal law vastly outweighs the inconvenience that it puts on circuit court judges having to go on bonk. Professor Ryan Vaca, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help us hear a word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Get the back episodes of the show and podcast links at law.unh.edu slash podcasts.